Thanks for joining us um, today. Nice to have you. Uh, if you're joining us from home, which wouldn't normally be the case at 11 uh, 30, 12 o'clock, whatever it is. Um, but today it is, so thanks for being here. Or maybe you're watching a recording later. In any event, we're glad you joined us. Thanks for being a part of it. Look forward to seeing you next week. We do a conversation in the round every other week where we kind of dig into uh, the material a little bit deeper. Uh, so we'll be doing that. And then Easter, like, like we've been saying, just a couple weeks away, surprisingly. Um, pray for those things. Make sure you RSVP. I know there's going to be kids programming at least one of those services. And then uh, pray about um, our progress over the next three or four months as a church. Like, you know, things are opening up a little bit. Things are changing. Uh, We're getting a little more confidence. And so we start to think about how is it that we're going to gather and meet and what do we do in the Northwest? And it's a lot of questions, a lot of things. I think the simplest way to put it is we're praying for like about 10 to 15,000 square feet over there that we can develop into this same sort of a space so that we can work out of, out of both locations. Um, um, obviously, there's still lots of changes in different ways we're going to do that, but we, we really want to keep praying about that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I would love to hear your dinner stories, your best ones and your worst ones. You know, there's probably been somewhere maybe you were able to sit with somebody that was famous or you, just, you can just remember these great moments or I don't know, you know. And then there's horrible. I know it's like, you know, <laughs> just the, the, the thing never went. It didn't go like you thought it was going to go at all. Um, I remember we had some really, really good friends when we were young. I think we were in our mid-20s, maybe, when the Carreras, you know. And they had two little girls, and we were leading a Bible study together with them, a small group. And um, I think we were probably going over there early for dinner, and then the, the group would probably meet later that night. So we walk in, uh, Charlie and Barb, and their two little girls, Hannah and Becca. And Charlie's, like, sweeping. Like, he's just frenetically sweeping the kitchen. And he's cleaning up something, and he's mumbling about stuff. And we're just like, what are you doing? We're really good, we're really good friends. It was no big deal. I mean, I think pretty members we just walked into the house like we do. And he's like, ah, I dropped a glass. Da, 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 da. Hannah, six-year-old, comes around the corner and goes, Mommy threw a glass at Daddy. She's in the bedroom crying right now. It made for a great dinner conversation, right? It, 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 we, we, it didn't matter. She just came immediately out after hearing that, you know, and it's like, oh, gosh, we're a wreck, you know. And it's just real life. It's just real life. Meals. Part of the reason we do it is because it levels the playing field. You know, if you're sitting around a table, I don't know if you think about this. Everybody has to eat to survive. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. When you're at the table, you're doing something. Everybody's going to have to do their whole life. It levels the playing field. Uh, it creates a, a, even an intimacy of some of a certain degree, and oftentimes we can share and talk about things. It's, it's, it's a wonderful space. But if Jesus is coming, <laughs> I don't know. What does that do for you? Like, does that, do you think, oh, this is going to be great? I guess it depends on your personality. Mine is like, oh, boy, this is going to be. I, I immediately start thinking, uh, is my house too big? Um, like, we have, we have an extra car right now because uh, we inherited it uh, when dad, Tammy's dad passed. And I think, should I, should I park that in the neighbor's driveway? Is he going to be, like, am I going to be judged for having three cars? Like, that's a little excessive, isn't it? Do we have enough scripture plaques and signs on the walls in our house? Do you know? <laughs> Pretty sure we do. I'm <laughs> Pretty sure we do. <laughs> I know Jesus is fine. He's good with wine. But I'm thinking... Like, how many bottles of wine can I have out and it's still cool? 
And can the bourbon be out? Or does that need to just, just need to go away? What do we serve? Pork? No pork? I'm, I'm not going, I'm just staying away from pork. I know, I know he's going to be fine with it at this point. That ship has sailed. But why take a chance? You just, you don't know. And will he eat, will Jesus eat dessert? It seems a little luxurious to me, like dessert, you know, it's like, and it's just total sweets. Like you would think if anybody would be taking care of their body, it would be Jesus. Why would he eat a piece of cherry pie? So I'm going to go with fruit cup or something like that, probably. What should I wear? What should my wife wear? That would be the harder problem, right? Because what's modest today would be entirely immodest, you know, in eras past. Talk about first century. I don't know how, how we would be totally concerned about that, I would think, particularly um, what we talk about. Politics? I don't think he's going to get drug into that. He would have more to say about how we do politics rather than what our politics are, I would think. Is small talk going to be good? Like, <laughs> I worry about things like this, like, uh, where are you from originally? <laughs> that, uh, I don't know where that's, you know. What do you call him? We, am I on a first name basis with Jesus or with God? Is that okay? How's he getting here? Walking? Uber? Should I invite others? And how many should I invite? Is it okay for me to ask him to fix my lower back? Can I be like, hey, could you, uh, you know, it's like, boom, can you just like, wham, hit this and make this better forever somehow? Would he be interested in my woodworking tools? See, this is where my mind goes. I, Will he do the dishes? Will he step in and help with the dishes? What's the over-under on that? Not in his day. Absolutely, that would not be at all. And today, he's going to get a look from somebody if he's not helping with the dishes. I'd probably ask him to check out, look over my sermon outlines. You know, it's like, do you have any good illustrations for this? Or am I interpreting this properly? Before I ever even get to something like, what's your will for my life? That'd be, you know... But I don't know where your mind goes. This is where mine goes. I could keep going. The big question is, is he concerned about any of this stuff? Is he concerned about any of that? You know the story of Martha and Mary and Martha when he stops over to their house? It's a pretty famous story. Martha, one of the sisters, is running around just like I'd be doing. Mary is not. And he says, uh, it goes like this. Martha opened her home, but she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was just right here in that space. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And this is a, this is a kind, kind way to, to rehearse it. Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, but few things are needed. And I think, okay, well, what are those? Let's, let's get on to that. Because our misperceptions about Jesus or, or our concerns or our worries is what drives us down this other path. Let's, let's take a look at what happens when Jesus comes over for dinner and pull out the things that are most important. And you can find a whole bunch of these. Like Jesus was eating in different people's homes all the time. It's pretty encouraging. All sorts of people. Some he was invited to. Others he invited himself to. Others were parties. Like this, like this wedding banquet. Here's the, here's the first one. Here's the first thing we learned. Just straight up. We have to reconsider our guest list. If Jesus is coming to dinner, we got to think about who we're inviting Jesus tells this story about a wedding banquet, and he was all ready to go, and the wedding banquet uh, that, was, that was running the thing says, all those that I invited didn't deserve to come. They didn't come, in fact. 
And that's how he knows they didn't deserve to come because they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't come. He says, well, they didn't deserve to come. And he says, go to the street corners, corners, not just to the streets, go out into the alleys, into the gutters, invite everyone you can find to the banquet, everyone. So the servants, you know, can't imagine what they're thinking. They're just going out on the street. Hey, you want to come to a banquet? Yeah, sure, man. I'll come. To okay, come on. What about you? What about you? What about you? All, everyone they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is, this is a, a banquet like they had not planned for. Imagine that. Just throw open the doors. Anybody and everybody can come. Part of the point here is this is who Jesus wants to come. This is who Jesus enjoyed hanging out with. Those that were not invited to the party. That's who Jesus wants there. If we're honest, left to ourselves, that's not who's at our party. It's not who's at my party. I have, I have social anxieties already. I, if I'm not around people that I know that are like me, it's hard. And I know that's true for a lot of us. This is no excuse. Jesus looks at the guest list and essentially is like, you have a bunch of people at your house that are just like you. That, yeah, and I think, yeah, those are the people that I enjoy. Those are the people that are like me. Those are the people that I know best. Those are the people that know me best. These are the people that are going to represent me well when you get here. I'm not inviting those friends. He's weird. She's super needy. He was there when I did that thing. I don't want him around. We're worried about these things. And Jesus is like, I, look, I'm coming. Don't keep me from all of those people. Bring them all. Truth is, Jesus hung with all of those people. All those odd friends is who he gravitated toward. He had friends in low places, like Garth Brooks had. God's guest list is very uncomfortable for us. We need to hang out with more people like Jesus did. This is the first point. We need, uh, we need friends and acquaintances that are different than us. Do you know we get, a large, to large degree, our understanding of who God is by the people who are around us who know God. The more they are like you, the more homogenous your group is, the more narrow your understanding of God is. Part of the, the, the beauty of my understanding of God is, is in part for the blessing of knowing some African people and some Cambodian people and some of these people and those people that are different from me. Their view of God shapes my view of God. Their experience with God shapes my faith. Part of the reason we, we press ourselves as a church to go, go across the street, go across the ocean, interact with people that are different. You stretch outside your comfort zone, go downtown, meet here, meet there, is because we know when we do that, we get a fuller understanding of who God is. It stretches us. 
simply, we need to intentionally diversify our friend groups and let them be instructive in our lives and reflective of the Jesus that they know in enlightening ways to us. Spread it out. Get to know some more people. Go outside your comfort zone. You don't have to fix anything. You have to fix anyone. We got to stop trying to fix everybody. They're just different. We need fixed as much as anybody else needs fixed. Let's just pray together. Let's just listen. Let's just, let's just explore who Jesus is. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's, let's talk about our testimonies. Secondly, if you're going to invite Jesus over, even more so, if you're going to be in proximity of Jesus, you better expect unexpected life change. You know the story of Zacchaeus? A wee little man, a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. The best thing about that story is Jesus sees him. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. So the, 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 his own people just hate him. The Torah gives permission to Jewish people, literally, to lie to murderers, thieves, and tax collectors. They're not worthy of being trusted or given any kind of human status. So Zacchaeus is ostracized by his own people. He hears about Jesus. He can't get close to him. He can't get through. No one's going to let a tax collector through. Plus, he's small. So they're just like hip-checking him out of the way. So he climbs up into a tree so he can see Jesus. He is very interested in Jesus, probably for obvious reasons. This guy is under the radar in more ways than one, right? He's already short. He's being ostracized. Is this, is this a troubled life? Maybe he has no life, not the one he imagined. And Jesus is giving life to people. So he's up in a tree, and Jesus says, I see you. I'm come, come down here. I'm going to your house. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Getting singled out like that. So he comes down. People are starting to mutter. They're upset by this. They're making, he's going to go to, he's going to, go to lunch with a sinner. He's going to go to lunch with that guy. Like this is, Zacchaeus is hearing this, right? Jesus loves everybody. And they're saying, why would he go with that guy? And Zacchaeus, what do he say? Does he get, up, get defensive? No, listen, he stands up and he says to the Lord, look, right now, right here, I'm going to say publicly to everybody, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's reinstating this guy. They've pretty much written him off. You're a tax collector. You're no longer in the family. And Jesus says, oh, salvation has come to this man. He is a son of Abraham. Look at that. Jesus says, I'm going to your house. I'm coming to be with you. You. And it, everything changes for him. If you engage Jesus, if Jesus engages you, you are going to be compelled to change. There's no way around it. If you're hanging out with Jesus and you are not compelled to change, you're not compelled to, to, to be vulnerable for his sake, to make sacrifices for the good of other, you have not been hanging out with Jesus. I don't, I don't have to say it any clearer. You're hanging out with some facsimile of Jesus, some kind of Jesus you have created that talks to you in the ways that you want him to talk to you and makes demands of you in alignment with the demands you want to have made on you. When you hang out with Jesus, these sorts of things happen. 
Think about this. Zacchaeus' generosity isn't as a result of him picking up on some religious practice that he should engage. This isn't him realizing, since Jesus called me, I should do this. Jesus would not affirm that. When someone stands up and says, look at what great things I'm doing, normally they're rebuked by Jesus because their heart's not right. Zacchaeus does the very same thing. He stands up and says, here's the great thing I'm going to do. And Jesus says, this guy is spot on saved and one of my children. <laughs> What's the difference? His heart. We know Zacchaeus' heart is exactly right. His heart has been changed. Otherwise, Jesus would rebuke this. And for the record, it's way beyond 10%. Think about this. Zacchaeus' financial means, the money that he has, the possessions, the material wealth. I'm getting in over my head psychologically here, but he compensated for his diminutive size. Right? He was a small guy, and he was outcast. His money makes him big man, powerful guy. It is arguably the thing that brought him value, purpose, life to the degree that it could. And suddenly he's like, I'll let this go. That, that's heart change. I will let it. Why? How, how can you possibly let that go? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why by telling you about my neighbor. Um... I asked him if I could tell you this, and he said, yes, share it. <clears throat> I've told you about him before. He's got cancer, young man, 34, kids, wife. Um, rough, in the middle of trying to find their way through this mess. And uh, he says, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm going to need like an hour. <laughs> Absolutely. So I go over to his house. We sit down. He says, um, is, do you ever hear God speak to you? I was like, that's a great question. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, he has. I don't think audibly. If that's what you, I have not heard him audibly, but I've heard him at the, this intersection of the Spirit of God within me and the confirmation and affirmation of Scripture and the other believers affirming what we've heard. I think, I think, I think I've heard from God. He goes, I, I think I heard from God. I was like, wow, tell me about it. He's like, yeah, I, I can't explain. It was a couple weeks ago. Minding my own business. He said, I, I will say that I was in the middle of um, doing something that I, I, don't, I don't know how he put it. He was like, I needed to stop doing that. I, I needed to trust God rather than, you know, this. And so he said, I just said to God, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey you. And I thought to myself, this is stacking up exactly the way the Bible says people hear from God. It's, he's setting the table. He's saying, I'm not only going to obey, I'm not going to just uh, willfully uh, move away from something that I shouldn't do. I'm going to trust you for something. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just be willfully strong. I'm going to trust you. You've got something else. I, I've seen it. I've seen it dozens of times in my life. I see it all through scripture. When people say, I'm going to trust you, God, and they surely, truly do. That's like throwing a door open for God to speak. 
And he says, so, so he says, so I'm in this space where I say, I'm going to trust you, God. I, you know. and, and he said, all the sounds around me stopped. He said, there were a number of sounds that were, that were there. And they just stopped. And I heard God, not audibly, but very clearly. He said, very clearly, he said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because it's pr- somewhat private, but it was along these lines. I'm doing something with you, Patrick. And something's coming. And he said, uh, so I, I asked you to come over here, Mike, because uh, I need to tell you what's going on here. <laughs> what is that? What is that? What's, what's happening? And I'm like, dude, you heard from God. I'm like, wow. What, that, what was that like? He's like, I cannot explain to you. I've never experienced anything like that. And I'm like, dude, this is like a burning bush moment right here. Like, you had it. He's like, I know, and I couldn't get rid of it. I was just standing there for a long time, just like, what was that? And he said, because all the noises came right back. And I, I haven't told anybody. I just told you, are like the second person I've told. It's like, I, there's something about, he said, even saying it just seems like, I can't. It was just so significant. And he said, but here's what bothers me. This promise at the end, like he's like, I'm doing something with you. And then there's this, right? He said, I don't know what that is. He didn't say what it was. And I have these big decisions I have to make and I need some clarity. And it just said, it's kind of incomplete. So he was like, I heard from God, but like, what do you do with it? It's incomplete. And I was like, yeah, I get it. So we started talking. And I was like, wait a minute. There's some parts of this that are really, really complete. For example, he spoke to you, <laughs> right? It's like, regardless of what God says, when you know he spoke to you, that's a pretty complete thing. And he said he was doing something with you, which is really meaningful. Like, this isn't a waste. Like, all this that you're going through, he's doing something. And we're sitting there going, man, that's complete too. Yeah, I don't know what this end point is, but wow, he picked you spoke to you and affirmed to you that he's doing something with you. Anybody in line for that moment in life, right? So you want to know why Zacchaeus suddenly loosened his grip on everything that gave him life? Jesus picked him out of a crowd, just like Pat. He's <laughs> up in a tree. And Jesus leaves and says, hey, you and me, lunch, now. That's huge. That's huge. That, that, that trumps everything. Due to the attention of God, God says to Zacchaeus, you belong. What's mine is yours. You will be with me in eternity. Nothing that you've done up to this point matters. In me, you're forgiven what else matters? He's like, I'll give it all away. Everything he was counting on for life now comparatively provides nothing. He has the assurances of the protection and the provision of God. He's free to give, to love, to live. You're thinking, Wow, I'm thinking, well, I'd like to have that moment. 
It's not exactly the same, but you had it. You know, not everybody gets to hear about Jesus. If you're within the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or digitally 10,000 miles away, you've heard about Jesus. The Bible says, you hear about him? He's, that's as good as being chosen by him. God knows what's going on. He knows who's going to hear, who's not going to hear, who's going to respond, who's not going to respond. If you've heard and God has compelled you to respond, you have been picked, chosen. Everything that Zacchaeus has, everything that my neighbor has, we have in Christ. He's picked us personally to say, yeah, you, me, forever in eternity. It's huge. That'll change you. That'll change it. We got, we got to re-engage that space all the time. I've been picked by God. He's got me. All the rest of this, I don't have to worry. It's okay. How many minutes am I? 25. Gosh, I'm a few minutes behind. Here we go. Uh, number three, it's going to be a blast. If you think Jesus being around is going to be a, like a stick in the mud, kind of a boring thing, you are completely wrong. Here's an example that I don't want you to think too crazy about, but when all the wine was gone as a party, he made some new wine. The best wine. Wine's understood by the Jews to mean joy and prosperity and goodness and hope. If wine is overflowing, God's beauty and love is overflowing. When Jesus is around, joy flows I'm concerned about a lot of things, and I would be concerned about a lot of things. And when that door opens and Jesus walked in, I would be concerned about a lot of things. And I think instantly I would understand, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Unbelievable time. And by the time he left, we would all be going, okay, that was the, that was the best ever, best ever party ever. Unbelievable. Even the Pictionary was super fun. Crazy how everything just was unbelievable. The petty concerns of life, our insecurities about trying new things, the challenges of new paths, all that God puts before us, all the challenges, all the mountains, the valleys, all the rivers we have to. So, everything about this life, all the struggles, the disease, the hardness, the tragedy, the loss with Jesus is somehow phenomenal. If you're with him, if he's close. Uh, fourth, so it's going to be a blast. Fourth, learning from being with Jesus should and must take precedence over everything else. Here's the end of the Luke 10 story with Martha and Mary. A woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Few things are needed or indeed only one. He says, Mary has chosen what is better. What is Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he said. <laughs> That's pretty easy. So it would seem, unless you're distracted by everything else in life. Unless you're not committed to, disciplined to sit there 
You don't think Martha was feeling, uh, Mary was feeling like she should get up and help her sister? Particularly when her sister says some of the things she says right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you see me over here doing all the work? You know, Martha, Mary's thinking, ah, I should be working. But you know what Mary was thinking? I'm sitting right here. And Jesus is good with it. And it had to be reassuring to her to say, hear Jesus say, no, this is what's right. What is going on right here? You think about this? I told you it's a rest when we took communion. The worship team was talking about rest. And uh, Jesus didn't have many places he could rest. And a hard life. Hard. I can't imagine. But he, he was able to rest at this house. He's been there before. When he went to Martha and Mary's house, Lazarus, he actually had a place he could lay his head. He could recline. He could just sit back and be like, whoa, what a day. What would it be like to sit and listen to Jesus talk about his day, his week, the, the, the level of rejection, what, what it feels like to have power rush through you into a woman who touched your garment and was healed? What would it be like to hear him talk about knowing it's coming to an end? I'm not going to make it much longer. What would it be like to listen to Jesus talk about his faith in the Father? The, the battle of, hey man, I'm, I'm only 34. Can I die for the sins of the world at 44? <laughs> What's another 10 years? Wouldn't you be saying that? It's like, hey, I'm just getting rolling here. We've only been with these disciples three years. Have you seen them? They're not ready. They're not even close. There's a lot of good arguments for hanging out a little longer. Well, what would it be like to hear Jesus battle with that? You know, like he was praying in the garden. Oh, gee, God, do I have father? Must I? It's like, yeah, you do. He's like, okay, what's it like to be around that kind of faith? It wasn't, it wasn't easy. He was, he, was, he was fully human and fully God. He was fully human. I have to go. I have to trust you completely to my, completely to my humiliation and death. That's how far I have to trust you. Is there any other way, Father? Nope. What would it be like to sit and listen to Jesus process those things? Well, he's saying it's the best thing. That's the only thing. And here's, here's the good news. We can. We can. We've been given the Spirit of God. Jesus himself says, teaches you all things. We have the Scriptures who that set in our laps and describe for us in multiple different genres and forms who Jesus is, what his faith was like, what he endured, what he went through. And he's telling Mary and he's telling you and he's telling me, this is what matters most. Listen to me. Sympathize with me. 
Learn from me. How often? Once a week. Seven minutes every morning. No, like continuously. I'm playing with this idea that Jesus is a bad parent. Stay with me. Listen. Check this out. What is the definition of a good parent? For the most part, when your child gets to adult age, they go off and they can make it on their own. That's a good parent. There's a lot of stuff along the way, but when you toss the thing out of the, the bird out of the nest, it flies. That's the definition of a good parent. If you toss it out of the net and it crashes into the ground, bad parent. Flies, good parent. On your own. And Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always. That's a bad parent. You see what I'm saying? What's it like when Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to high school with you. I'm going to go live in your dorm room. <laughs> That's a bad parent, man. Nobody wants that parent. I'm going to be with you in the huddle. I'm going to be with you in the bedroom. I'm going to be with you in the boardroom. I'm going to be with you everywhere all the time. I am going to be with you always. Okay, that's a pretty radical shift because we are used to being trained, equipped, taught, and then go on our own, just like a good parent. And Jesus said, no, it's not like that. That's not how I operate. I'm not teaching you everything. You don't come to a class and get it all straight and then go do it. The idea is you sit right here and are learning and listening to me always, forever. That's in one sense obviously very easy and in another sense enormously hard. But we know from the story what is best is listening to Jesus at the expense of everything else. Until we get our lives there, we are not going to enjoy all that he has to offer. So, let me wrap it up. Maybe the most important lesson of all the biblical stories, of all the visits and dinners that we see with Jesus, is that those who experienced the most profound impact were those who were painfully aware of their needs their brokenness, and they humbly posture themselves to hear and receive from Jesus. So they're not all caught up in themselves. They see their brokenness, and they receive from Jesus. They are humble enough to receive. That's what we see predominantly in all these situations. So three things I'll leave you with. One, uh, more like seven or eight here, but they'll sound like three, trust me. There's a lot to be legitimately worried about with Jesus coming for dinner, and the solution is humility and the knowledge of Christ's work being sufficient for our forgiveness and new life. There's a lot to be worried about, but Jesus is taking care of it. Number two, Get some strange people in your life. Remember that God has personally reached for you. Let that change your life. Have a blast. Go for broke. No fear. Go where he's called you. Discipline your life to be uninterrupted. Listener, learner of Jesus. We got to... In everything we do, in every space, we have to practice this presence 
of Jesus in our life, this uninterrupted learning, receiving of his mercy and grace. God, we we can't do that on our own. We have no real human capacity to be unconcerned about everything else that's going on. We can't escape it. By your spirit, God, would you keep us attentive more and more every day? Give us the joy of connecting with you through other Christians, through scriptures, may the counsel of your spirit help us to be obedient where disobedience is right at our doorstep so that we can hear from you. Help us to trust you more every day and help us, God, above all else, to lead this world in the direction of the change that it needs by continuously being changed ourselves first and always. The change we need in our life is you. Help us to stop looking everywhere else. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it has been great to be with you. Thanks for coming out. If you've uh, been with us at home, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week at Conversations in the Round and Easter the week following. Um, See you later.